numbers, like, yeah, numbers, like, yeah, numbers, like, yeah, numbers, like, yeah, numbers, like, stats don't heavy topic, home point, like zero two, man, I all travel like move pivots, no call, straight facts from Phil and Juwan, heavy time numbers, like, on, you can tune in for the latest from King Tweed about King James LeBar. Always on point on all 32 teams, never disappoint. And you know, staff from deep is all cash. Week six on CP3, cause I pass. Cause they like D Rose needs, they all bad. Unless they like a weak team and all ass. Then I score like KD and I brag. And this is number slide the podcast. Yep, yep. What's going on? What's going on? Peace. This is uh, King Tweed. Numbers Lie, another episode. Numbers Lie, the podcast. Uh, we in the building. This is a special, special day. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're going to go around the horn real quick and, and, and call out the usual suspects, and then we're going to get into it. Who else you got in the building? I, I got you. I got uh, It's Juwan. Juwan here. Just Juwan. Good evening, everyone. This is Jonathan Menifee, a.k.a. Richard Lawson. Bill Hardy. Bill Hardy's back. <laughs> Bill Hardy. Special, man. Rookie of the year. And tonight, as Tweet said, man, we got a special, special guest. Uh, journalist, author, author of The Last Black Mecca and The Dark Side, uh, is written for basketball and hip-hop magazines such as Slam, XXL, Nike, and ESPN, and more importantly, Chicago's very own Mr. Robert Scoop Jackson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pleasure to have you, pleasure appreciate, to have appreciate you. Appreciate the intro, appreciate the intro, thank you, thank you, glad, glad to be on, man. Appreciate Indeed. the love, always. Oh, yeah. Appreciate we appreciate coming you on. coming on tonight. Indeed. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna get right into it. So we got a couple couple questions for you, uh, you know, Mr. Jackson. So we're gonna get right into it. I think Crusher, did you want to start or uh, Phil? Who, who, who first? Who first? I mean, I I'll go ahead and start. So <laughs> if y'all if y'all want. Who first? Don't worry, I got it. Y'all y'all sit there. I got it. <laughs> Look, uh, as, as, long, as long as y'all ask me if I'm the one that made magic quit the Lakers, though. Oh, <laughs> hey, he's hey, right into it. Get, get rid of number eight. Get, get, get a question number eight. <laughs> <laughs> get rid of that one. All right. Uh, hey, hey, we're going to get into that, too. Hey. Uh, so, real quick, uh, let me see. The first one I wanted to I wanted to pose to you is, so, obviously, you know, uh, you're a really good journalist. So, coming up in an era in journalism uh, where it was rare to see or read the opinions of black people, uh, or any people of color on a major sports outlet such as right. ESPN. Um, right. What's your thoughts on that and progression uh, of it right now and everything just as a whole? Well, I think, you know, coming in, there, there were a few of us, you know, to choose from and look at and idolize, you know, but as, as most of us black people, you know, as we had to exist in this country, you know, we there's never been a lot of us you know, in, in any field. And so we have to build, you know, we have to select the ones that are there and use them as our inspiration, sources of inspirations, as, as those we want to follow, as those who we look at and say, okay, now that I've seen he or she do it, there's a possibility for me to do it. And in, in the case of sports, I kind of fell into it because it wasn't really, I was, you know, trying to be a journalist in the area of sports, you know, I just wanted to write. And, you know, I've always been a sports fan, so that kind of fell hand in hand. But at, at the same time, you know, there, you know, there, there was, you know, for me, there was somebody like Ralph Wiley, you know, who, you know, 
did his thing and reached the Sports Illustrated level, you know, and was able to maintain his sense of blackness at yep. that level. That mm-hmm. was, you know, th- that always became inspirational. You know, uh, locally here in Chicago, there was Lacey Banks. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and Reverend Banks, you know, just to see his, you know, his, not only his byline, but his picture, <clears throat> you know, in the Sun-Times, you know, and, and watch how he covered, you know, sports. Uh, it also became a thing of inspiration where you're like, okay, well, you know, I could basically do it. Um, but for me, that was just his sports. You know, as, as a writer, there were so many other writers from... You know, Nelson George being in Billboard magazine, from Alex Haley being in Playboy and not just Playboy, but, you know, doing the Playboy interviews, but, you know, <clears throat> doing the autobiography, autobiography of Malcolm X right. and doing Roots, you know. So, you know, I've always looked at Alex Haley's career as being like, okay, that's the pinnacle. Right. You know, so it, it wasn't for me just sports, but we did have, it wasn't a lot of those individuals of color that looked like me that I could identify directly with. Right. You know, as far as getting into the field that I got into, but there were enough. You know, exactly. there were, and, and, and black folks, we understand. As my mother said, we have to dream our way through bars that don't bend. So, you know, in the same context of that thought, we have to look for ourselves in places where we can't be found. And, you know, as you were asking, there's a question you asked, there were not a lot of us in sports that I was able to directly look at and see okay, well, maybe I have a chance of doing this, you know? So, but the ones that you did see, if you respected what they did, you took it. Now, I also had the benefit of my father being a journalist. Okay. My father being one of the few, one of the first black journalists, you know, in the country, the first in Chicago, actually. Right. You know, um, and not necessarily wanting to follow his career because he was much more of a reporter um, and, and, you know, covered the civil rights movement and all this, that, and the other. Um, but I always loved the writing aspect. But there was also that connection to what he did. So I kind of, you know, I was connected to it firsthand. So that probably helped a lot too. Indeed. So by the time I got into the game, man, I, you know, I, I think in in following the people that I follow, and looking mm-hmm. up to the people that I looked up to, to have, you know, watching my father, you know, be directly linked to him having a career. Exactly. In this, I was able to you know, sustain a lot of the BS that we get put through that makes it those so that there's not a lot of us in the game. You know, a lot of us try to get in the game and, and the BS that we're caught with that, you know, winds up being so much stuff stacked against us. We just leave. Man, we're like, man, it, it ain't worth it. You know, seriously. Yeah. Right, right. It's like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing UPS anymore. I'm gone. You know, <laughs> we also, but I was able to use the people that I was able to really see have careers in this and keep pushing through and keep pushing through and keep pushing through and just steadily, you know, doing what I could to find my own voice. Um, and because of that, and I've heard, I've had a lot of white writers, mm-hmm. like a lot of them, you know, from, from Rick, you know, Tellender to, you know, Dan Lebertard mm-hmm. to, you know, I mean, I go down the line, Man. you know, uh, hell to, to whatever. I'm not gonna. Talk about <laughs> I already know. You know, but but they tell me how much the game has changed yep. since I've been in it. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I, I take it as a compliment, but I take it as part of what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. part of what I tried to do, but also part of what I was blessed to do. You know, and I think I think a lot of times we as black people. Are put in positions 
that if you know we really really um if we really are earnest about it then we have the power to at least make change even if it's minimal right exactly but i believe black people we do have the power to make change and i've always wanted to you know have some part of making change and yep. i have part. seen i have seen the game grow you know for us i've seen opportunities open for us i've seen so many you know black writers come into the game find comfortability not be ashamed of their voice mm -hmm. you know you know be who we are not be ashamed of who we are just I, i've seen that drastic change i've been told about that change i've been thanked for being a part of that change for allowing that change so mm -hmm. I, i've seen the progression shout out to me yeah, i've seen Jamil. i've seen the progression Indeed. And I and I do not want to take credit for it at all because I'm you know I but you played a part I was though. just yeah, I was yeah, I was just a part, a part. I, I was I, I was at, I was at the part of um you know of, of a time when things began to open up and there were a lot of us that did our best to take advantage of the situation that was in front of us and that's kind of what it boils down to. Gotcha, gotcha. Nice. Okay. So just kind of uh, building on what we were just talking about now, Scoop. How do you find that balance between addressing social social justice as well as still addressing like bringing up athletics as well? Well, it's it's to me, there's two answers to that. I think you have to be very rooted in what your purpose is, and if your purpose is to, in this particular case, be a journalist to be a writer, to be a reporter. If, if that's where you limit your purpose, then there's no internal responsibility for you to take on social issues. You deal with facts. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You deal with facts as they exist. All your job is to do is to tell the story as it's presented and go ahead and do that and that's fine. But that's, I think, a personal decision. And that's a decision everybody in this business decides to make and what they feel their responsibility is. You know, not only to the business, not only to the craft, but to themselves and to the people they feel responsible for. You know, um, but the second half of that is that, I, the second answer to that, is that I think you have to have a sense of, I want to say arrogance, but it's it's not it's it's not arrogance in the sense that you're basically feeling yourself. Mm -hmm. It's arrogance in the sense that you have supreme belief in what you have the capability of doing. Mm -hmm. And to, for me, I've always believed, and I don't know if I'm lying to myself or not, <laughs> but I've always believed and pushed myself to believe that I. I have the ability to write in a special way, in a way that speaks for those unspoken, that speaks mm -hmm. in a way that can move people. You know, exactly. I, I, I just believe in my ability when it comes down to it, to write. Mm -hmm. You know, the same way, you know, Princess Stevie Wonder believed <laughs> in their ability to create music. You know Indeed. what I'm saying? The mm -hmm. same way, yep. you, know, you know, Denzel and Meryl Streep believe in the power they have to act. Yes, sir. You know, um, 
we can go down the line. Hell, yeah. it, you know, the believe, you know, Virgil right now has in in, in design. You know, it, yeah, it, yeah. you have to have that belief, and I've always had that belief. And with that belief, it allows you to go into and tackle issues that you wouldn't if you didn't have that belief. Because for me, if there's a social issue or issue rooted in race or issue dealing with politics or if there's a, you know, issue that, you know, it would be stupid to touch, but it's necessary to touch. Yeah, definitely it's necessary. Right. I have the belief that my writing ability can override whatever that subject matter is and make whoever's reading it see the point that's trying to be made. That's powerful. And but you have to believe you have the power to do that. So when it comes to social issues, when it comes to injustice, you know, if you're either doing something for yourself or doing something for somebody else, if you believe you have the ability to find that angle that nobody's talking about and make sense of it, if you have the ability to change people's thoughts on certain things, mm-hmm. if you believe you can go into the center of the fire, you know, and, you know, just douse everything and make the fire go away with what your abilities are, mm-hmm. that allows you to take on issues that if you didn't have that ability, you wouldn't. Right. And I've always had the belief that I could, I, I, you know, I have the ability you know, to write mm-hmm. and tackle those issues because I may be able to make sense what nobody else can make sense of. I may be able to right. say something to somebody nobody else has the ability to say, but I believe in my ability to do that. And like mm-hmm. I said, it's, it's, it's just an arrogance, but you don't know. But you don't, but, but it's, every, you know, Martin Luther King had the ability to know he could speak to people. Indeed. You have to have an arrogance to know that what you're saying is going to resonate and change people, you know, so... But you have to be very secure in your craft. You can't lie to yourself. Mm-hmm. But that comes with you putting in serious work, I believe. Right. And I know over the years how much work I've put into this craft of writing. And that, that like, sincere, earnest, no BS, you know, work that you put in. Unapologetic. A, a, right. But it allows you to have the feeling of what you have the capability of doing. You know, there's an old saying, it's like, you're only nervous because you're unprepared. Man. That's the only reason people get nervous, because they're unprepared. So true. And I've always tried to walk through this career always being prepared. So whatever comes my way, if there's something that needs to be said, hey, you know what? This may be the not the smartest thing to say, <laughs> you know, from a career standpoint. Yeah. You know, this may not be, you know, whatever. But if it needs to be said, I think I have the way and the power to do this with what I do for a living and do it in a way that can override whatever the bad results that are supposed to come from me doing this. So if that means speaking up, that means I need to write something and be like, damn, you know what? We wanted to fire his black ass. (laughs) (laughs) No, see, what he wrote made so much sense and what he wrote was written so well, we can't can't even be mad at it. You know what I'm saying? We can't even be mad at it. And that's kind of how... I've always approached that, mm-hmm. you know, and I think I think that's a belief that goes throughout all of us who yeah. take stances, take chances, you know, say what's not being said, say what's needed yeah. to be said, you know, through, you know, and, and using our crafts as our voice. 
to speak not only for ourselves but for others around us and people who can't speak. So. Indeed. Well said. Hey, hey, school Chris here. Now, real quick, going back to an article that you uh, have written on ESPN.com entitled "Just Because I Got a I Got a Few People," despite us being from Chicago, not the biggest Michael Jordan fan. Right. <laughs> for more than one reason, but a lot of it is his off the court things mm. that they feel that they know. So, um, Michael Jordan's contribution to black issues are greater than perceived. And right. there's a quote in the article that states, uh, I say MJ's story is a black power story, not the power of protest and politics, but the black power of economics. Can you elaborate right. on that for me? Well, I think, Michael, you know, I'm not, I think we as black people tend to get into this monolithic, monolithic mindset that there's only one way to access power and change in America. And we've held on to that for generations. And I'm at the point right now that I have seen what that has done, and I've also seen what it hasn't done. And in a, when we're living in a country that basically um, still has a lot of us believing that their water is wetter than everybody else's, mm -hmm. we can't afford to be monolithic in thought and how we create change for ourselves. So, when people jump on Michael Jordan about him not being Jim Brown, by him not being Muhammad Ali, by him not being, you know, uh, John Carlos and Tommy Smith, you know what I'm saying? By him mm -hmm. not being Arthur Ashe, by him, you know, I could go down the line of black individuals who have been at the front lines of protest, been visual and vocal about injustice and protest. And I... I hear all these people, and, and I, they use Michael Jordan as somebody who hasn't done anything, but I also look at the fact that we're living in America, and if all black folks went that way, we're doing something, how stuck we would be, because we don't have our hands in the other thing that also gains us power, and that's economics. Yeah, true. Because all the other black folks we talk about that have stood up for protests and everything, they don't have any money in the game. And half of the change in America comes economically. <laughs> so, with Michael Jordan being quiet or, you know, quote-unquote saying Republicans buy shoots, whatever, you know, whatever, him not, you know, voting for the right candidate in North Carolina, whatever people have said Michael Jordan hasn't done. The one thing Michael Jordan and all these other cats haven't done is giving black people economic opportunities for careers, positions, you know, sending kids through school, all that that none of them have done to equate to money. And it's not about him being, the, you know, one of the only two America or one of three American black billionaires. It's over the course of history what he's been able to acquiesce through having the Jordan brand as a subset of Nike. And just through that alone, employing more black individuals just through Jordan. Yep. than they have at Nike and any Fortune 100 company we have in the country. Yes, sir. Y'all hear that? <laughs> now, let's get to the Charlotte piece right. and what he's doing today and how much color and, 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 and gender equity he's bought into being the owner of the Charlotte Hornets where he has women in position that no other professional, basket, professional sports team has in positions like that. Same thing with people of color. While he's doing that and people are still complaining about what he's not saying, I'm like, you all are missing part of the point. 
You all are acting like he's not doing anything. Right. He's just doing something different that is empowering us. And if we as black folks keep thinking that this is the only way we're going to acquiesce power, we're damn fools. Yeah. We need somebody to get us in positions economically that give us opportunities that nobody else has given us economically. Mm-hmm. At least in America. Yeah. Now, nobody's stopping you all from doing what you want to do. That's fine, but somebody has to be on this other end. And we've never had anybody on this other end. Michael Jordan's been that guy. And mm-hmm. he's been very responsible and very cognizant of that. He's done this by choice. He just decided to be li- not be loud about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. the black folks, if we really want to make moves, we need to shut our damn mouths and start making some power moves quietly. Yeah. That's, that's and that's what he's doing. And for us to continue to find fault with them, I just thought it necessary to, you know, put some things in perspective. Yes, sir. Yes, that's sir. a great perspective. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So, what what uh, what other questions y'all got for him? Uh, I, I wanted to kind of, since we were talking about Michael Jordan, kind of take his. Uh, yeah, let's let's keep going on with that bull theme. You know, <laughs> Scoop. I know you're a Southsider like myself. Yes, sir. You know, uh, Chicago. You're a Chicago White Sox fan. Yes, sir. Southsider. <laughs> Southsider. But I found out that you are also a Knicks fan. Is that true? How yeah, man. Not, no, 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 no. I'm, you're I'm not a Bulls. No, no, no. I do. I can tell you stories. I grew Uh-oh. up. I grew up. I grew up a Knicks fan. Like, like starting in third or fourth grade. Um, like Earl Monroe was my well. Earl Monroe was my favorite basketball player before Julius Irving came along. Black Jesus. Yeah, Black G man. Look, Black Jesus. That was dude. That was that dude. That he was that dude. And and y'all are too young to know, but he played for the. He came in the league playing for the Baltimore Bullets out of Winston Salem. You know, he basically had the same career that Pete Maravich did. He was averaging 40-something a game in college. Earl was ridiculous. Um, but say that that he, he he came in the league playing for the Baltimore Bullets, and he was the only player literally that would, like, give Walt Frazier the business. Walt was playing with the Knicks. And, you know, Walt, Walt is kind of from here. He's, he's, he's an Illinois guy. Matter of fact, his son – and I went to the same grammar school, even though Walt Jr. is younger than me. So oh, this wow. is a Chicago next to Walt Frazier. Okay. Because um, he went to SIU, and, you know, he's a Chicago next But <laughs> Earl would eat him up. Earl would, like, eat him, eat him. Like, Walt was the greatest defensive player in his era, you know, at, at the guard position. You know, he would lock everybody down. But when he came to Earl, it was fits. So the Knicks finally got smart. And they're like, you know, Earl's contract was up. I'm, we can't we can't fight this dude. He got to join forces. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he got to join forces. Yeah. So when Earl Monroe went over to the Knicks, that did it for me. Okay. That was it because I was my favorite player, and you know I like Walt Frazier because there was a connection. Okay. You know, and I was okay with the Knicks, but I was a Bulls fan back then with Norm Van Leer and Jerry Sloan and Tom Orwick on center and Bob Love and Chet Walker. That whole thing, man, it was it. it you know, even crazy as Dick Motta was a coach. You know, Bobby White, man, I would sneak into the stadium. Uh, whatever we got stories, but look. Yeah, stories for days. Um, but when Earl went over to the Knicks, I was sold, man. That was it. And I went to do my father and my mom. I was in fourth grade. They took me to New York, mm, and they took it. me to a. I went to a Knicks game. You know oh, what I'm saying? Man, I'm like, God. Okay. And my father, my father was right at the time, so I got to meet, you know, uh, Earl Monroe. Got to meet Walt Frazier. I was man, that's, it's a wrap. I'm done. <laughs> I'm in it for life now. Yeah. <laughs> you right there with Spike, huh? <laughs> right, I was right there with Spike. I was, yeah, yeah. Spike a little older than me. He, he might have got there before me, but 
You know, man, I was, I was, that was it. That's all I needed, man. And as you know, you always hear, especially sports reporters and sports journalists tell, tell stories about how they get into sports and how they start liking the team. And it's always some home stuff. My stuff just happened to be away. That was really it. You know, my favorite player, you know, like I said, came from a black college, you know, went over and did it in Baltimore. And once again, I'm a kid, and I'm kind of – I'm not seeing this all the time. I'm kind of learning about it through other people's eyes. So, I mean, I would go to the barber shop and bars with my father, you know, and or I, they'd all be over the house in the backyard or in the basement, whatever, you know, whatever. You know, and they would be talking. Earl Monroe was that dude. Earl Right, you know what I'm saying? So, as a kid, what do you do, all right? If, if they say that's the guy, you know what I'm saying? That's right. that guy. Indeed. It's very simple. So, it's, it's, my, it's no different than anybody else here in Chicago. We talk about, well, my father raised me on Ernie Banks and Billy Williams. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. My father raised me on Dick Allen. You know, my father raised me on, and I was a Bob Gibson guy, you know, playing for St. Louis. But, you know, we had Fergie Jenkins here, but... Bob Gibson was that dude. Bob Gibson was, he was, he was the black superhero as far as pictures were concerned. After Satchel Paige. Mm-hmm. So you heard all the Bob Gibson stories. I, I got a little mini figurine of Bob Gibson in my office. Because coming up, like, he was, the, he was like, everybody talk about Satchel Paige. Like, no, Bob Gibson's that dude. Yeah. You know, so you hear these things, you fall into it. In the case with the Knicks, it just happened to be Earl Monroe driven. Okay. You know, and once he went to the Knicks, that kind of solidified. And I just, and they, they didn't really give me any reason to leave until recently. You know, I just stuck through it. And here's the funny thing. I was still like a diehard Knicks fan, even when I was covering, you know, the Bulls and Michael Jordan all through that thing, and they knew it. Like, I would go to practice in, with Knicks sweatshirts on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Like, I was, and dude, the, hey, look, the, they would give me all type of drama. Now that's, yeah, oh, that's the same conference. And, yeah, Speaking know. of Earl, Earl, Earl Pearl, you might get a little junior. Kyrie, he might come over to yeah. the Knicks. What you think about yeah. that? Yeah, uh, yeah. Untuck Kyrie. Untuck Kyrie might come to the Knicks. And don't let him get KD. Here's the thing. Ah. Here's the thing. I divorced myself from the Knicks Dang. two years ago. Like, I'm like, hell, if, if Cass can div- – and I've always had this belief too, man, and we can get in a whole other conversation about that. I don't be long with it. But <laughs> I get – I don't think we as sports fans need to feel that we're married to teams Uh-oh. Uh-oh. for the rest of our lives. I think if teams start doing things that are not so you line with our core values uh, or are not in the best interest of the city. Being a fan of players. Know, we live in, huh? Being a fan yeah, of players. I know yeah. where you're going with. They should have never right. threw Oak out the right. garden. <laughs> exactly. They should have never kicked Oak out the garden. Exactly. That's true. So that whole Phil Jackson experiment and James Dolan and all that, when that went as south as it did, yeah. Like, not only the way they, they you know, and I'm like, yeah, Carmelo's my man, but it's not like, but then, look, the way they started treating, and the way they treated Charles Oakley, I'm like, yeah, that oh, was that's a bad it, look. Right. Now, that's not a big, to me, that was a divorceable look, man. I put the bag on my head. <laughs> I'm done. See, I'm done. I don't know. You know I don't know about Good. that school because because I'm I'm a Spurs fan and I've been a Spurs fan since since actually 99 98 99. And I'm a Lakers so, fan, man. I got like, it. We born and raised in Chicago, so it's like in my eyes I'm not leaving from the Spurs. Like even but, with the regime change, it wouldn't pop. No, but did you be did you hear what he said though? Dude, he said core values okay. change. I'm the Knicks right. change as an organization. You don't have you don't have a chance in hell of the Spurs, R.C. Buford, yep. or Greg Popovich, and even the ownership group. You have not a chance in hell of them doing anything as inept right. 
as what the Knicks did. You you are so safe. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I like them because they safe every year. 50, right, 50 you are wins. so You don't have to worry about that. But once again, that's generation. Right. Hey, you know, and and you know, Dolan. You know, I can't I can't support an owner who's borderline racist and full time idiot. I oh, just man. can't do it. No, not at all. Not you at know. All. Hey, right, look. Here's 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 This is where I look at. It. I, I think I, I did a column on this about Brett Favre years ago. Yeah. We should be allowed to divorce ourselves from our sports situation. <laughs> so I asked, and this is why I asked myself, and I did it about Brett Favre. I said, if Brett Favre was was, a, was your girlfriend, would you leave him? And this is during the time when he was like holding other teams hostage. Oh yeah. Whether he was not gonna play or play, and like you know they couldn't get the all that. I'm like, you know what? Not only is that some white privilege stuff, but that's something else. You know. <laughs> Shout out Cal Corey. And do this to whole teams. That's ridiculous. You know I ain't messing with him. But I did the same thing with the Knicks. I'm like, if the Knicks are my wife, would I stick around for this? I'm out. Peace. You I'm know out. what I'm saying? Divorce. <laughs> Right, so if we can, if we can, that's the way we need to start looking at sport. Yeah. So if San Antonio really starts bugging, just man. ask yourself that one question. You're like, man, if this is my, if this is my girl, <laughs> would I be out? Be like, nah, I ain't standing for this. You know what I'm saying? Man, it's gonna be tough, man. Many feet, I think that's your cutie lead the Lakers. Uh, they they <laughs> they act like they used to act. Chill, no chill, bro. Chill. You got you got people chill. quilling out telling their balls. Like what type of stuff? <laughs> I didn't tell Jenny yet. You just got a press conference. What you mean? Dang. You got a buddy that's a big time Laker fan. He, you know he a Kobe fan, this but now it's the part of the plan. I ain't bro. gonna be here next year. We're gonna get it together one day. LeBron one day. I'm not jumping ship. Not yet. <laughs> not yet. I'm sorry. But Scoop, I got a question for you, man. It's Minifee. Uh, it, with the emergence of more players taking more control of their individual destiny in the NBA, do you feel as though that is a, is good for the league? Why or why not? Um, Tough issue. There's a two-part answer to this. There's really two answers to this. I'm going to answer your question specifically. Do I think it's good for the league? The answer is no. Mm. Do I think it's good for the game? Do I think it's good for the players? Do I think it's good for, you know, the history of black athletics? Yes. Okay. So, um, I, I think if... No, seriously, I'm, and, and I'm not separating the NBA from any other business, yeah. but once you start acquiescing that much power to the labor force, you know, yeah. unless, unless they have a stake in the true ownership of that business, then it's never going to be good for business. Right. Because labor and employees are always going to feel that they're mistreated and they're going to try to take and make it to the best of their advantage, which is always at the expense of ownership. That's the way all businesses are set up. So with the players gaining and then, you know, exercising the power the way they have, especially in the NBA, by the way the collective bargaining agreement is, I think it's great for the athletes. I think it's great for the game of basketball as a whole and the culture of basketball. But for the league, no. I actually agree with that. No. And that's what I said. But I think the two answers, but you asked specifically about the league. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it makes you, I mean, because I hate to say it, players and owners don't always want the same thing right. in all sports. And not just basketball, but in all sports. 
you know, um, because players to some degree in all sports are looking for fair value and they're looking for freedom. Mm-hmm. Owners already have freedom and they're not looking for fair value for anybody else but themselves, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's always going to be some type of difference between players and owners. Now, the messed up thing is, if you're the commissioner, who are you working for? Are you working for the players? Or are you working for the owners? Because you got two different groups who want two different things. Yeah. You know, it's basically Democrats and Republicans. You know, if you break it down that way. Yeah, man. You know, and but but once again, you know, you don't have, you don't have the person in charge. You know, riding one side of the fence. The person in charge has to kind of straddle both and try to make everybody happy, which is a messed up position, which is why, you know, commissioners, you know, is a really, really tough job. It's a really, really tough job because you got to keep happy, you know. But if you're the NBA, you know, the way they have it set up now, and I think they were smart. I give David Stern a little bit of credit for this because he understood the power of the players, and a lot of that has to go through who else? Michael Jordan, who they say and they said and the other, but Michael Jordan. It's part of the reason the players are able to exercise the power that they got now because they didn't give it to him. And he and Magic Johnson have made it their mission over the 10 or 15, 20 years they've been out of the league to and make sure every player that comes in understands what they can, what they can't, and what they will try to do to you yeah. and what you do to counter that. Really? Every player would tell you that, you know. So you know, when we're getting on, like I said, once we get back to Michael Jordan, then we get back on Michael Jordan. What he's not doing, he has found a way to empower all of these players just by letting them know in personal conversation. Now, here's what they did to me. Like I took these lumps, I took these losses. Y'all ain't got to do this. Here's how you play the game. I went through that, so hopefully y'all won't have to go through that. Exactly <laughs> right. What did What did Jay Z said? Uh, um, oh, did that? I'm doing no. I'm doing. I'm doing this for what you did to the cold crush. You know oh, what I'm saying? Yep. <laughs> right. So that's kind of what it is. You know. Um, now, the NBA was smart enough to understand the power that the players had and be able to function in a way that gave the players that type of sense of power and the ability to acquiesce that power and still be cool with the league. Because I'm old enough to understand that had they not done this, and this is something that can't be done in the, NBA, uh, in, in the NFL, that can't be done in Major League Baseball, that won't be done in hockey, that can't be done in American soccer, because it's already been done in basketball, is that they could create another league. Yeah, I think about that too. So they had the ABA back in the age, and the ABA was, it, it lasted a decent amount of time you know, and, you know, the NBA just played big money on it and bought out four teams, you know, and, you know, but the effects of the ABA and the fact that they had a, a league in existence for like 15 years or 12, 15, whatever, is something that the NBA doesn't want right now. Yep. And because of the small number of people you have to deal with when you're dealing with the NBA team and because the infrastructure is so small, you know, like you can get away with having the league and only have, you know, 14,000 seats, you know, arenas. 
you know, you can't do that in football. You can't do that in baseball. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. can't do that. Basketball is set up so differently in that if the players really disagree with what you're doing, they can create their own. Indeed. And so I think that's what I give David Stern a lot of credit. Like, look, we have to give these players a little more power. Because yeah. they could, especially if they're 80% black. Oh, man. That's you know what I'm saying? Thing. They they could, they could lose like the Russians and get together, man. We could be over. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so they, they were smart enough to not make that happen. So, but for a league, I think it's not a good thing. Mm-hmm. But for the culture of the game, I think it's spectacular. And I think it's the way it should be. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, appreciate that. Now, I, I want to kind of switch gears a little bit. I know we've been talking about Jordan and everything, you know. You know, nowadays you got LeBron. I wanted to kind of ask you, um, so in your opinion, who is your – Greatest of all time. And oh, Mike, stop. <laughs> Mike, stop. Mike, stop. Next, stop. next question. <laughs> I, 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 I hear a lot question. of LeBron. That's why I just wanted to. Nah, stop. Well, you know what? That's you know what? I I'll break it down this way. I think you hear a lot of LeBron because we're we're living in a society that is numbers driven, and we're living in a society that is about visuals, about what you see. Yep. In the, the current moment. Of the present. Yep. Right, and. To me, I mean, that's fine. That's cool. I like that. But to me, when you're looking at the totality, and it's the only thing I use it, basketball is played two ways. It's offense and defense. Mm-hmm. There's no special teams. You know what I'm saying? There's yep. no pitching and hitting. There's none of that. Basketball is one of the true sports where when you're on the court, you are asked to do everything. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Center's got to be able to dribble. God's got to be able to, you know, shoot. You know, everybody has, you have to play every aspect of the game. There's no section to offer this game. You have to be able to do this. And, you know, and like I said, football, look, man, you, you, you can play offense or defense. You don't have to do both sides. Basketball doesn't go that way. So when people talk about LeBron, it's been the greatest all time. To me, they always look at just the offensive side of the game. Yep. Amen. <laughs> You know, and, and I've, I've, I've done a little research on this, and I'll just put it this way. If, if we're tipping the scales on, you know, what was done and what wasn't done, one, he doesn't have a defensive player of the year. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. That's one of my biggest knocks on him. Bottom, bottom, bo- bottom line. Now, uh, you know what? I'm, I already did the work. I'm, I'm going to throw it out for you all to do the work. Go back and look at over the course of maybe averaging, I did it, I averaged it out over, I think, 13 years. I think I took off, I think I took off Michael's first two years and LeBron's first two years. And once they started both getting into MVP conversations on a regular basis, I started tracking then. Look at how many times Michael was in the top five and top 10 in defense. How many all defensive teams he made right. where he came in a defensive voting and where LeBron came in during that same period of time. That answers that that ends the conversation right there. But if you only want to look at basketball one way, if you want to look at it like in football, like, hey, you know, and, and you know who's the greatest football player? Like, oh. <laughs> hey, I mean, you know, but if you want, but, you know, but it's numbers don't lie. They just don't tell the whole truth. But that's on the human being because the numbers are there. It's just it's just a matter of what numbers you decide to use. In this case, we use the numbers on the defensive end. Right. And if you want to just say, hey, you know, I'm looking at the game halfway, then cool. Just just own that. Mm-hmm. But if we're having a conversation about who's the greatest player ever, you know, and we're looking at the entire game, 
then to me it's no question. Because LeBron, I hate to say it, not only isn't he, but he hasn't even been honored as close to the defensive player that Michael Jordan How can he be the greatest if you're not even a great free throw shooter? <laughs> you know, like you, you're hiding from the ball. Right. The I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know what? To me, we can start picking apart small things. And I hear what you're saying. I think you make a great point. But to me, that that's, that's kind of getting anal because free throw shooting is a small thing. But I'm talking about defense. That's a whole half of a game. <laughs> yeah. That's all I'm talking about. I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with something big that you can't even argue by saying Cavs, you know, no. like Michael Jordan didn't have a great left hand. Like if you look at Michael, Mike, if you, if you played Mike, he was hard to do. But Michael, Michael's left hand dribbling, going, you know, he, he'd be the first to tell you, now my left hand was Scotty had a phenomenal left hand. You know, Michael even told me personally, that's the, one of the reasons they never played one-on-one is that he couldn't, Scotty's left hand, he couldn't guard. He's like, man, Scotty's ambidextrous. I can't Scottie. do anything with that. You know, now LeBron is ambidextrous. Yeah. There, there's nothing about that. But if we start getting minute and say, you know what, Michael wasn't the greatest because LeBron's left hand was better than him, we tripping. <laughs> right. I'm looking at defense and what half the game you're playing that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You're not shooting free throws half the game unless you're James Hart. <laughs> you know, um, I'm I'm looking at half the game where LeBron did not even measure up to being close to Michael. Okay, and to cool. me, that kind of that, that kind of shuts down an argument if you're really looking at the game in its totality. Going back to Harden though, what's your thoughts on how he's playing the game? And I know you heard one of your fellow colleagues talk about him a few weeks ago how he isn't playing the game of basketball. I know you're an old school guy, Earl. He's you cheating know, the game. He's cheating the game. What's, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I think in the context of the word cheat, you have to be doing something illegal. Right. And I'm trying to wonder where he's doing something illegal. No, I now, that, man. as of right now, the rules are allowing him to do things that, hey, you know, are within the rules. Yeah. Now, if the rules change and his game change, fine. But I don't, I don't get where you're saying he's cheating the game or you know doing. I, I don't. He's doing what he's, you know, he's doing what he's allowed to do. Yeah. You know, and and it may not be pretty. It may not be, but it's it's working. Look, it's working to his benefit until you have to change it to change it. Right. Stop it. That's what I tell everybody. Stop it, man. Well, I mean, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to stop. When it's within the rules, you know what I'm saying, or, or the way the rules are enforced. Let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. So if you think he's traveling on the Euro step, don't be mad at him. Be mad at the rest for not calling him. If you think he's right, if right, if you think he's drawing fouls and sweeping up under, don't be mad at him for doing that. Be mad at the people that have the power to make that call. Mm. Don't say he's cheating the game when apparently he's not because they're not enforcing the rule. Now, is he that special? Is James Harden that special that they are not calling stuff on him? I'd, I'd have a problem believing that because to me, if that was true, they would have been doing the same thing for Shaq, and they didn't do that for Shaq. Right, yeah. You know, Shaq was, you know, everybody talk about how difficult it is to referee James Harden. Shaq was the most difficult person in the history of the game to referee because he played a game with a sense of strength. And 
you know, when Shaq turned, Shaq would get the ball in the post and turn around with his elbows up, just like every other center in the league. Man, but because it's Shaq, any contact made, foul. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But everybody else can get away with it. Now, yeah. if you're playing by James Harden rules, Shaq, ain't no foul. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I don't know where James Harden became more special than Shaquille O'Neal. Hell, Shaquille, you know, man, come on, now. Now I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't go. You know, I can't get into the minutia of 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 that nonsense. You know, and people blaming him for cheating the game. You know, but I'll say it in the most diplomatic manner that I can, and that a lot of people. Um, lean towards the side of their access and authority and make somebody else a scapegoat when they're afraid to do something else. Mm -hmm. So where somebody will say James Harden is cheating the game when the, there are people that have more power than he do in, than he does in the game right. to change what they say he's doing to cheat they won't go after them because they would eliminate their access to the game. Like, you don't want to piss the NBA off by going after the refs. Because if you go after the refs, now you're in trouble. Yeah. If you go after the league and say the league news, now you're in trouble. So if you're a radio host, if you're a writer, if you're a blogger, if you're a broadcaster, you can't just go out on the league because guess what? Your access becomes null and void. And once you lose access, you lose power. Right. So it's much easier for people in my field to go after James Hart. Mm -hmm. Because in this conversation, he's powerless. I, I just when like they the know the truth of the game. I just feel like the old timer just got stuck in his ways. You know, <laughs> well, I've, seen, I've seen some young timers say the same thing. You know, and I know, look, watching James Harden play basketball is not the prettiest thing in the world. You know, and if you're not a James Harden fan, I can understand you being <laughs> mad at the benefits you think he's receiving by the way he plays basketball. But you can't say that he's cheating and put that on him when he's being allowed to do it and he's yep. not breaking any laws. Within the rules of the game, that's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. Now, if you want to change the rules, do that. But as it exists right now, mm -mm. Yeah. you know what I'm saying? You can't, you can't put that on him. Yeah, you can't blame him. Um... Now, I know, you know, we, we was talking about Shaq. Um, I, I wanted to talk as well about that. Um, now, I know you wrote for, you know, the Double XL source as well. You know, you, you, you not only basketball side, you you passionate for, about hip-hop as well. So I wanted to kind of pose the question of, in your opinion, who is the, the greatest athlete or NBA athlete to rap? Uh, in your opinion. This is a close, it's a close answer. Um, it was Dana Barrows. Dana Barrows was the truth. <laughs> Dana Barrows? Wow. <laughs> Dana Barrows was the truth. You had bars? Yeah, he had bars. Dana Barrows, Dana Barrows was no joke. But I'd have to say probably Dame. Dame, Dame, Dame is, Dame is, Dame is, Dame is, Dame is super nice. He is underrated. I keep telling people. It was a debate that people, crazy individuals, at saying that C.J. McCollum is better than Dame Lillard. Yeah, we talking about rapping 
<laughs> but I'm just no. I'm talking about I'm talking about the whole package as but far we, as Dame. But I'm only okay. talking about yes. right now. Um, nah, Dame is Dame is that truth, and Dame got legit. He got J Cole spit game. Like he can go. Wow. Yeah. I he, and before before he came in, I always thought it was Dana Barrels. Mm. Now what about Shaq? I mean, you know, Shaq made a song with Biggie, and you know. Well, here's the thing. I, I think here's the thing. I think Shaq. It depends on what you're looking for in an MC. I think Shaq is clever. I think he's, you know, I, I think he's witty. Um, but, and he can spit, but he doesn't have flow. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, and to me, if I'm looking at it, I mean, just Shaq's natural speaking pattern, you know, is, is not rhythmic in a way that lends itself to you to drop music behind it and him to change he has to be somebody totally different on the mic than he is and he kind of is but it's not enough yeah. you know so Shaq can you know spit with like Biggie or the Foo Snickers and you know do his thing and hold his own but I don't know if I can listen to albums and mixtapes on a regular basis with Shaq oh yeah nah. <laughs> And that's, but with Dame, I can. And Shaq is, like I said, he's, to me, Shaq is like Will Smith. Uh-oh. <laughs> that's pretty no, 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 no. And I'm not saying, no, listen, and I'm not saying it's just because Will Smith was a hell of an MC. Yeah. Because of his cleverness, because of the way he made you think, and he made records that stayed with you for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Now, if Will Smith decided to do something different, he may have been a, really 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 sick MC but he knew what he was good at and that was lending itself to his personality and he did what he did well the same way Too Short does what he does well the same way Scarface does what he does well mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying there are MCs that know their lane and they stay in it and I'm not taking it away Will Smith was brilliant because he stayed in that lane and he made classics like classics you know, and if you ever got, and he'd be, he'd be there. If you talk to some MCs, he'd be the one cat they'd be scared to get the battle around with because he got jokes. Oh, yeah. Balls all you want, but when the dude's able to make a fool of you, mm-hmm. that's something you don't want to mess with. You know, it's like that cat on the court who may not have a jump shot, but he got handles. Yeah. You ain't worried about him scoring on you. But it'll leave your ass on the ground. You know what I'm saying? You don't want it ain't about the scoring at this point. Like, man, I don't care, I don't care if he's only scored two points a game. I ain't going out that garden, dude. Mm-hmm. Cause I ain't I ain't I ain't I ain't winding up in you know in a splint because my ankles broke, my knees, you know, I tore ACL, I ain't lay, I ain't doing that. It ain't about him scoring on me. And that's kind of what Will Smith was. It's like it ain't about like spitting those bars. It's about him staying in his lane and doing what he does. And this cat here, I ain't getting in a battle with him. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not doing it. So I say that about Shaq and that he reminds me of Will Smith that he does what he does and he does it well. But that can't go in the conversation of who can really like comprehensively give you everything an MC is supposed to give you when we're judging MCs about who's the GOAT. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole bunch of things besides that. And flow is very important. Wordplay is very important. Depth of thought is very important presence is very important you know there's there's a whole bunch of things that's going to when you're judging the goal as far as mc and the same thing across the board with players but in this particular conversation about who is the goat mc you know as good as shaq is i don't think he's in that conversation i, I know a few brothers who you know brought a little more to the table 
right. Um, so appreciate that. So now I want to, you know, we're going to wrap it up after a while, but I wanted to real quick go around the horn and if I could, you know, Mr. Jackson, get your input too, you know. So the regular season is over, so we got the playoffs on the horizon. Uh, I wanted to kind of see who, who we all got for the first round. So just to uh, go down the line, so we got in the West, you got Golden State uh, versus the Clippers. Um, so let's just go one by one. So Golden State Clippers, who we all got, obviously. Golden State in three and a half. Golden State in three and a half. Golden State. That's funny. Yeah, uh, Golden State in four. Is Steph, we don't know if Steph's playing or not, right? Well, I think he should be all right, but... I, I mean, honestly, I don't think it doesn't matter. Steph. Yeah, that's why it's four and not and, and not three I, and I'm giving I'm giving the Clippers a game. Okay. I see that. Shout out to that group. I'm giving the Clippers a game. Shout out I'm giving the Clippers a game. <laughs> Without question. All right. Uh, Rockets, Jazz. We got Rockets is six. Ooh. Rockets six. Yeah, Rockets. Yeah, Rockets in yeah. Rockets and six. That's how the, that's what you guys scoop. I think I think I'm going with that too. I'm it, but I'm not. It, it, it's not going to be a comfortable six, I don't think. No. Nah. No, yeah, it's it's, it's going to be a hard press, hard tested mm-hmm. six. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, all right. Blazers Thunder. Blazers Thunder. Thunder and four. <laughs> Woo! They, they said Westbrook was overrated. I got, th- I got Thunder and six. Nurk and Child. Yeah, Nurk out. I got, I got Thunder and six. Yeah, that's, that's, and to me, that's the difference. Mm-hmm. Nurk being hurt, like, killed everything. So. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, I, I got. Yeah, I got. I got Thunder seven. Speaking oh. of Nurkic, did y'all remember when the Bulls traded <laughs> Nurkic and Gary Harris for Doug McDermott? Oh, I, man. I, make sure Good you times. guys don't forget that's that. That's a running joke on that's the show. God passed at its finest right there. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible, man. Uh, all right, next, uh, next match. Wait, 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 wait. Can I say this? Yeah. Can I say this? Now, you, all of you all know, even though it's a running joke, you all know. That there was no way in hell Nurkic was gonna be out, be the player he was gonna be if he stayed with the Bulls. That's fine. We still that's would have had Gary Harris. Yeah. Gary Harris wasn't gonna be the player he's gonna be with. You know, okay, come on, huh? Did you see Doug McDermott? Have you seen him lately? <laughs> no, I, I and 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 the reason he is because he came here. Exactly. Nah, see, I don't know. He can, this Look, is the man, perfect uh, system. The Bulls can't develop players. That's why you would. This no. is the perfect system. Thank for you. I ain't had nothing. No, no, that ain't why I'm a Knicks fan. I'm just saying, name me a player that's come through here who has developed outside. But Ooh. since Thibodeau's been gone. Well, that's a that's a good point though. Since Thibodeau's been gone. I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, Zach Levine. He developed from year one to year two, a lot. You think so? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think. I think Zach Levine. I think Zach Levine is the same player he was in Minnesota. He just get, became number one option. Yeah, and he's right. healthy. That's it. He would have been doing this in Minnesota if he didn't have Wiggins and Tony Bennett and whatever. You know. Right, right. If he did, if he was that guy that he had to share with. Yeah. And I think part of the, I think part of that was more attitude than anything that he understood the opportunity when he came back here. Like they ain't got no guy that's gonna be. T- oh, it's mine. Yeah, it's my show. It's my show. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's my show. He didn't have that luxury. Coming out, and I don't think the Bulls had anything to do with that. And I think if you ask them, they didn't have anything to do with that. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, we'll see what the Bulls do in the draft next year. Uh, anything. <laughs> here's here's my case. Here's my case in point. How much better did Miritich get once he left? Oh man, I right, you may have a point. But <laughs> I also Bobby Portis knocked some sense into him, like my grandmother Ooh. would say. That's true, that and he probably and, and he needed that. He needed by eight. Nico needed that. He needed somebody getting his face like that. Yeah. But seriously, we talk about player development. 
might lack. I don't know. Uh, I'm just saying. Yeah, I, I, I look. I, I get it. I'm I'm the one dude that doesn't hope Zion comes here. Ooh, I'm like, hey, please. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're okay, not. good. All right. Oh, wait, good, wait. Good, good. On top on top of that, you're talking to two Duke fans, and neither one of us <laughs> wants Zion here. Good. Right. All right. Good. Good. Okay. Okay. Zion I do not. I do, I do not want this. Yeah. And I, I don't want him for three they, straight years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I uh, just I just don't want his career to get started off on a bad foot coming up in here. That's true. That that is true. But it's going to the Knicks better. Oh. Um. <laughs> they getting KD and Curry. allegedly. No, we just talking about right now. I see. I um, see Kevin Knox. I seen Frank well, Nikolakina. Well, here's the deal. I think I put it this. I put it this way. I think at least. With David Fisdale there, he has a better chance at getting better as a player than he would with whoever Foreman and Paxson decide to be their puppet that is true. <laughs> in the United Center. Mm-hmm. That is so that is true. Puppet. <laughs> all right, uh, all right. So we're switching gears real quick. So we're still in the West. Last, last, uh, uh, last matchup: Denver Spurs. Who we got? Spurs in how many games? A low key. I, I got Spurs, Spurs seven. in Spurs in six. Okay, I'm feeling a love, lot of love, lot of love. Who you got, Crush? Denver in six. Okay, I got Denver in six as well. Mm. All right, they they, they Spurs hate us. It's all good. No, you know what? And I, I would be. I think Denver's a better team. I just think experience is gonna come mm-hmm. back and haunt them this time. You, this is the wrong team for them to face. Exactly. I think bad first round matchup for them. Yeah, bad first round because of what San Antonio's been through and what they know, right. and what they're capable of. I just, I just, it's one of those matchup things, you know. Um, true. But keep in mind, next year, after they go through this, we might be talking about them winning the whole thing. That's they tough. get they they get Michael Porter back next year. Yes, and they find out what they're gonna do for a whole season with Isaiah Thomas. True, that is solid. And everybody, see, that's the one. See the one, huh? Everybody's locked in on their contract too, so that whole team's coming back. Beasley and Morris. Yes, everybody's coming. And the thing that makes it important is that now you get to establish, you know, Isaiah Thomas can finally try to at least get healthy, and you can find out what his role is gonna be. And once. They establish what his role is going to be outside of figuring out on the fly, and you get the preseason and all that to get up, man. They could be, the, especially if Golden State like loses some players or one player or something like that. Yeah, they're gonna lose somebody, I feel. Yeah, somebody because they can't pay everybody, so somebody's gonna go. We, you know, Denver, Denver could wind up being the Virginia of the NBA next year. <laughs> They lose in the first round and come back and win it all next yeah, year. You never know. All right, we'll see. We'll see. All right, let's uh, let's, let's go east. Let's go east real quick. So first matchup, uh, I'm going to go bottom up. So we got Toronto and the Magic. How many games Toronto go in? Toronto did five because Kyle Lowry somehow is going to get hurt. Toronto in five. I'm with that. I'm with that Toronto in, in three and a half. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, shout but Terrence Ross may have. Terrence Ross may. Go for fifty just in one game. Yeah, no. I can see that. <laughs> I can definitely so see that. True. Shout out to Magic for making the playoffs. Uh, yeah. All right, uh, Sixers. I know you know Chris Crusher loves the Sixers. We got a few few teams players that love the Sixers. So Sixers Nets. Who we got? Sixers and six. 
Perfectly six, said. Sixes and six, because I don't know what Embiid gonna do. If he plays right. six he's and not five, gonna play this first game. If he no. don't well, if he don't play the whole first series, sixes and six. If he plays the series sixes and five. Yeah, and Brooklyn plays hard, man. Like yeah, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, man, Brooklyn is that one team nobody wants. Man, Brooklyn plays hard, man. They go hard, man. That's they they go hard. All right. But D-Lo, D-Lo. is no joke, man. LJ, man, look. Then we don't, man, man. They got a squad. I like their squad. Me they too. do, but man, it's gonna be tough. You know what I'm saying? With Dinwiddie and 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 D-Lo having to go through five or six games with tough yeah, defenders exactly. like like Jimmy Butler exactly. and man. uh and Tobias in Arizona. Exactly. Exactly, and, and, that, and, that frustra- and that frustration, yep. and that frustration sets in when you can't do your normal things that comes in the playoffs, you know. Indeed, indeed. All right, um, so Celtics, Celtics Pacers, who we got? That's, I think that's going to be tougher than what, what people nah, think. Nah, Celtics in five. Celtics, Celtics is six. Man, I don't know. Celtics is six. Okay. Press the field, which we all got. Celtics. Celtics, Celtics and six. If Victor Oladipo is playing, would the answer be the same, though? No. 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 Oh, of course not. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. But shout out Miles Turner for, for even staying up in the playoffs without Victor Oladipo. I think he, he deserves some sort of credit for that. But uh, yeah, I think it's going to be hard. I mean, you know, I got I, I got Celtics in six, but still, I think it's going to be tougher than what people think for the Celtics. Yeah. Uh, all right, last but not least, you got Milwaukee <laughs> Pistons. I mean, you think, you think Blake will get a game or not? Nah? That's Milwaukee. Nah, I don't yeah. think so. Yeah, I think this sweet. I think yeah, that, that, that's gonna be the series that's gonna be on NBA TV. Ain't nobody right. gonna watch it. You know what's next? Right. I Blowouts. guarantee you that they would not be packed with any of those games. Yep. Like wow. people won't even realize that. Oh shit, we in the playoffs. <laughs> right. Oh, we the Little playoffs. Caesars Arena would not be packed. Nope. All right. True. So that's, true. That's true. First true. Round. So real quick, who we got winning it all? What's up? Go to state and. Five yeah. Anybody. I've been saying this the past two years. Warriors and both. <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can't. I can't see over the course. Once the same thing y'all say. I can't think over over the course of seven games, especially if Steph is healthy. You mm-hmm. know that anybody really taking them out, especially since they know that this is their last run. Right. You know, together as is. Yeah. You know that somebody probably won't be there. Whether it's KD, whether it's Demarcus. Whether it's Clay, you know they know somebody's not gonna be there. So this is their, you know, I think they have an overriding factor that may be greater than every other team that they know this is their last ride at this level of greatness. Yeah, right. ain't nobody, ain't nobody, ain't nobody, ain't nobody else can see that. That is true. You know, somebody else has to match that. And in a seven game series, mm-hmm. with that as your calling card, I don't know who's gonna match that. Well, I'm I'm, I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna stay consistent. Now, I, I might be the only person on earth that thinks it's gonna be somebody else, but I got Toronto in six, man. You know, because they got home court bro. advantage. They got home court advantage when they meet the when they meet the Warriors. You got Kawhi Leonard, defensive player, defensive player of the year two times. You got Mark Gasol, defensive player of the year. You got Danny Green, all defense. You got a really really good squad who can who can do it on both ends of the ball. I think it's gonna be Toronto in six, and I think it's. I've been saying this all year. This year is different, man, for the Warriors. You it's said not that the last same. year, too. No, I didn't. You did. It's, you it's definitely different. said it last year. I ain't going to do that with you, Juwan. But yeah, that, that, that's, that's, that's what I think, man. That's what I think. <laughs> I, I got one for, for the for the pull of the room here. If the Warriors win four championships in five years, is that greater than the Bulls winning six in eight years? No. Uh, I don't think so. I, I, mm. You know they what? Faced the, the cat, they faced LeBron like five times. Like I don't know. You still got to win it. That's not all they face. They face people leading up to that point. I'm not. I think it's the Bulls. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not going to discredit their four at all. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I think the, I think two things. I think the challenge in the playoff situation for the Bulls seemed different, um, you know, than it was, than it was and is and has been for the Warriors. Um, I think there's going to be the asterisk that's yeah. going to be brought up by you know the real, real anals <laughs> that want to say that. Throughout this course of them winning four rings, somebody they always benefited from injury somewhere. Yeah, they, they have. Whether it be Kawhi or whether it be Chris Paul going down, there's always you know they go there. Whether it be Kyrie and mm-hmm. and Kevin Love, you know there's there's always gonna be a point where they can say, hey, somebody got injured. Yeah. You know on that end, and that's Ashley's gonna be thrown up. But also, they didn't dominate during the regular season the way the Bulls did during the course of their runs. Well, they seventy three and nine. I mean, but that's one year. Yeah, and they didn't win the. No, race, you know what I'm saying? That's one year. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the Bulls. They have it definitely. Yeah, but the Bulls stay consistent. Sixty five. So, you know, they they mm-hmm. you know, there was a sense of dominance there that you know, I, I, I and it was it was you know, it ran through the regular season, you know, and then when it got to the playoffs. They knew they were going to be teams only in the East that weren't scared of. The only teams in the East weren't scared of. And I, I think, you know, Golden State hasn't gone through. There have been certain teams, maybe they've been down, but, you know, they got the benefit of the draw because they got lucky because of the injury, because of whatever, whatever. But I don't think people looked at those teams as challenges. I think if you go back every year the Bulls went to the playoffs, you knew in the East there was going to be a fight and they were going to be tested. Yeah. And the fact that they went through those periods against those teams, look, I'll put it to you this way. Teams want to beat Golden State. Teams wanted to kill the Bulls. (laughs) (laughs) Playoffs, right. Playoff time, it was a different mentality, and the Bulls fought through that. And to go through that and only go through one game seven? Yeah, that's crazy. In that whole run, they only went through one game seven against the Pacers. I think that's it. No game sevens in the finals. Just one game seven. That is wild. And against teams that wanted to kill you, that wanted to murder you. So I think that's why, you know, if you go through their four and five and the Bulls, six and eight, you know, I think I think everybody's gonna side with the Bulls. You know, once you take everything in consideration. That's true. And plus, there's always there's always people that don't believe that if Mike hadn't have shut it down, that you know they would have had <laughs> oh, eight man, out of eight. That's an ongoing debate. You know that, that right. the retirement man. Right. Um, all right. Any 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 last final thoughts, fellas? Uh, while we got scoop on the line, anything else before we adjourn? Just want to thank them for his time. Of course, definitely. Uh, oh man! Oh no! I appreciate y'all time. No, no, this this y'all time. I appreciate being on. I'm I, I'm glad I got to share the time. Yeah, we're very love love good conversation. You, very grateful that you took the time out of your evening to share with us. Uh, share your wealth of knowledge, uh, not only with journalism but, um, you know, with your thoughts about what's going on in our community and how we can better it. Indeed, indeed. Oh, I, 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 I'm sorry. I can't let you go real quick, Mr. Jackson. Yes, sir. I got to ask this one last question because this is one of the mm-hmm. most important. Hold on. Um, so, could you discuss real quick? Man, I know you got the, the you had the, the Snobs podcast. So, you know, us as being you know up and coming podcasters, young black podcasters. So, 
um, our question to you is, what do you want our listeners to know about that podcast and any advice for us or anyone trying to start a podcast or, you know, any advice for us going forward? Um, here's the first thing is that, yeah, the Music Sounds the podcast we started about uh, five years ago, my friends and I, and it basically extended from emails that we would exchange for each other when we got into these music discussions. And we're like, you know what, we need to just, you know, we need to like bring this out of our little circle, you know, and I knew who I was dealing with. I knew I was dealing with some snobs, like we all of the most. <laughs> Yeah, no, you know, personnel, KYP. Right. The esoteric Negroes, like you all are on something different. <laughs> yeah. and, and I would be I'd be laughing my behind off, man, at these yeah. cats. I'm like, you know, we need to like, you know, we need to share this. So, you know, in us doing that, the one thing that we wanted to make sure that became foremost, and this is gold Lindsay to the advice, is that put your money and all of your resources into how your sound is. It's sound in podcasts is important as lighting to film. You know, you know when a film is not lit well that it comes off cheap, it's not respected enough. Okay, how good the acting is, how good the story is, all everything could be great. But if it's not lit, it comes off, it doesn't get the credit it deserves. Same thing goes with podcasts. We made sure that the equipment we got, you know, like our startup money that we started off with, that's where it all went. Mm-hmm. We wanted the sound to sound like we were in, you know what I'm saying? Studio. Somebody's professional studio. Right. We took that very, very seriously. And once, and to be real with y'all, that's something that we black folks aren't expected to do. I'm not going to say we don't do it. I think we do do it. But a lot of times we are so... We so concentrate on the creative and getting our ideas that we miss the technical aspect of it. And we don't give the things that we do the life that they deserve because of that. Yeah. And we have to understand that we're not just looking for black acceptance. We're looking for overall acceptance from everybody. Very true. And we can't cheapen our stuff because if we do that, then we're cheapening the people that we're doing it for. Yeah. So if you treat your product the same way you would if you, you know, if, you know, if, if you were doing it for everybody, I'll suppose, you know, I'll suppose whoever you thought your audience were, right. if you had all the money and you just got to find a way to make it the best that it can be right now, not right. waiting for somebody to say, let's do this. And then, you know, maybe we get some investors and some advertising and we can make it what you know, you start off doing everything you can, making it the best that it could be right off the bat. Treat it as such, especially from a sound standpoint, mm-hmm. then you'll be fine. Very important. You'll be but yeah. fine. But that has to be first and foremost because you want to come off sounding as professional as possible. Indeed, indeed. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, it's kind of similar to what you said. Like, you know, a couple years ago, I just said, you know, let's 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 put this on wax. You know, me and my friends talk about sports and I will be cracking up. I'll say, hey, I, the, the, the public uh, will benefit from hearing this. So that's kind of the same reason yeah. I started it and, and, and now it's, it's – it's, it's a well yeah. overseen. So, but like and, I said, it's, it, the, the sound thing, that's something that we definitely want to improve on every day. And uh, we're still yeah. working in progress, but I definitely hear that. But it's the same thing. Like I tell cats who are like, look, if, you, if you're designing clothes, you know, don't start off with cheap material. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, do, give the people something. Start off straight off the bat. That's where you put your money at. Mm-hmm. 
give people quality stuff, man. You know, don't 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 cheapen your the value of what your investment is. True. You know, you want to make people believe like, wait a minute, how long you been doing this? I just started this. My first. Wait, you're already doing this, and you know your t-shirts are, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know, it, it, you know, start off at the best that you can, man. Give it the life that you can because once, especially if once again, if you're black, you know, we have a tendency to be like, you know, hey, my people are gonna accept this regardless of what we give them. You know what I'm saying? Like, hey, we're that. good. Yeah. Right. If you start in a restaurant, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing chicken. So I'm going, you know, I'm, I'm going to just get this, you know, you know what I'm saying? I'm just going to get any type of chicken. Right, right. No, man, give your people good, you know, good. Start off that way. Right. Definitely, definitely. And, uh, yeah, we, we definitely have clothes, too. I'm, yeah. I'm going to send, send a shirt by, by, by Chris and uh, <laughs> definitely uh, let you get one of those. But, yeah, so. Got to have merch, baby. Got to have merch in this game. Merch too. But, yeah, we appreciate everything, Mr. Jackson. So give, give it up for Mr. Jackson coming on on the slide, man. Anytime, I appreciate y'all. Appreciate y'all to keep doing your thing. Hey, I appreciate it, man. Hey, this is Numbers Lot of Podcast, man. We out of here. Peace. Peace.